Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into another emergency podcast right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Pete Sweeney here with my deputy editor, John Dixon, with Arrowhead Pride's podcast producer, Stephen Serta. And the reason for this emergency press conference is because right now, what we have in our hands. See, see that for all the people watching online? And if you're listening on the podcast network, I'm holding a paper. And uh, we have the Chiefs' initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season. It's not really on here, but we do have it on the web at arrowheadpride.com <laughs> if you go and access it there. And this is exciting because uh, this is the very first step of what, what really feels like the regular season. Mm, yeah. We also should warn people right away that this is just an initial 53. This is going to change. We have already a procedural move and Blake Bell making it. We expect him to go on IR in the coming days, and that will allow Elijah Lee to come back on the team. He was released, but he went right to Twitter and said, fans, don't get rid of your number 44 jerseys. So <laughs> those of you who went out and changed O'Daniel to Lee, you're okay. You don't have to go change it to somebody else. Elijah had, Lee will be back I'd shortly. I'd already thrown mine away. Goodness you threw great. your Elijah Lee yeah, jersey away? I, I, you know, I'm, well, oh, well. I hope you didn't take out the trash because you could go fish it out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe throw it in the wash and you'd be good to go. All right. Get so we're going to go grounds off of it. Yeah. <laughs> what I'd like to do right now, I think, is go through initial reaction to the roster and then let's go position by position and kind of give our takes uh, of each position. We'll go offense and then we'll go defense. Chiefs to start. Again, they keep 26 offensive players, 24 defense. But as we just mentioned, that'll be 25 and 25 here shortly. Mm-hmm. But John, I'll go to you. Initial reaction to the 53 man roster. Well, more surprises than we expected. I mean, we always know that we're not going to get it completely right when we work out these projections, but I, I was really surprised by the surprises, by the number of surprises and the breadth of them. Uh, I, I thought for sure uh, that they would have, for example, six wide receivers on the roster, not five. They've kind of gone back and forth on that over the years since Andy Reid's been here. But I, I thought with all the talent they had, they'd go with six, but they had other issues they needed to solve. And uh, so that's just one of uh, a number of surprises in the 53 today's man, announcements. Yeah, the 53-man roster has a, a way of making me feel stupid every year because I get three <laughs> shots at this. And then when I see the initial 53, I say to myself, I could have figured this out in the projection. Yeah. And I never mm-hmm. get it exactly right. I told you that yesterday when we... I had right. a preview on the editor's show, but you mentioned the surprises, and I'll go through them quickly. We're going to go through position by position, but here are the ones that I highlighted. Quarterback Shane Bouchelle on the roster. Running back Ronald Jones is on the roster. Offensive lineman Darian Kennard. Defensive tackle Colin Saunders. Defensive ends Malik Herring and Josh Kando. They both yeah. make it. Cornerback Chris Lamonts and safety Dion Bush. All the surprises, the fringe players that make this roster. Steve, what was your initial reaction to this thing being released? I'm not surprised that they kept 
Malik Herring and Joshua Kando because uh, I just think that we've been worried about the pass rush for a long time. And now we're like, oh, George Karloftis looks like he is going to be a stud. But just that position, like you, you can never have enough guys and depth there. So I'm not really surprised that they kept those guys. And I, I didn't really think anything was super shocking uh, except for Darius Fountain. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is. Yeah. Uh, kind of a running thing on show and BK with me and Brandon Kylie. Like we love Darius Fountain. We call him Defo. We celebrate everything that he does, especially in the preseason. And we just thought that he was so locked in is Dave Tobe's guy. I thought there was not a chance that he would not be on this roster. And to his credit too, when he's gotten an opportunity offensively, like we've seen him flash and make plays and, and do nothing but improve since he's been with the chiefs. So I'm kind of surprised by that. I, I think that the emergence of Justin Watson has a lot to do with it too. And then the injuries started to pile up in what were once deep rooms in the running back in the tight end room. And so they had to make a tough decision. And unfortunately, Darius Fountain was one of the guys that got cut and it uh, kind of hurt me. Never forget that Rocky Magana said that Darius Fountain on Arrowhead Pride would be the next Jeff- Justin Jefferson. Really, really making us collectively look bad as a whole. But he was dared to do it, and, and he went and followed through. We let it happen. You he know, I wonder if I wonder if this is this happened because they were trying to trade um, the running back mm-hmm. and couldn't make a deal, and that's what they had to do to make the room. I don't know. Well, as you mentioned, Fountain is one of the bubble surprise cuts. If mm-hmm. we're looking through this list of somewhat surprising. DiCaprio Boodles, your backup nickel. I thought he had an outside chance of making it. Nazi Johnson, the seventh rounder who you drafted this year. You can only keep so many of these draft picks when you pick 10 times. So somewhat of a surprise with Nazi Johnson not making the team. Cornell Powell is another one. And then you also had the releases of a Jermaine Carter. We mentioned Fountain. Josh Gordon, the writing was on the wall, still notable. Elijah Lee, we mentioned that's procedural. Austin Ryder. It has been said that Ryder is a hopeful for the practice squad. And then both defensive tackles, Danny Shelton and Taylor Stallworth, I, I think we thought one of them would make it. And neither did, at least on this initial look. And it's a good place to remind you that there is a 16-man practice squad coming. And, John, there are rules now to include veterans. So just because they're on this list at this time doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the road in Kansas City for a lot of these guys. Yeah, we have a habit, and it's a bad one, of referring it to the referring to it as the final roster uh, through much of July. <laughs> Far from it. Yeah, right. and and yeah. and then when we get you know again to August, we start reminding ourselves, oh yeah, it's not really the final roster; it's the initial roster. And you'll see us change over to start referring to it as the initial fifty-three man roster. It's really not going to be final until uh, the week one game. Uh, starts at kickoff that's the point that the 53 man roster will be final for 2022 there there's likely to be half a dozen changes on this roster before we get there uh, especially since there's a little extra time uh, involved here they'll be they'll be fiddling with things as we go so um yeah things could change uh you know fountain could end up back on there and uh, they could end up trading people. There's all kinds of things that could happen. Uncle Dave Tobe loves him, this extended practice squad, too, and the special call-ups right. as well. Mm-hmm. There are, you can yeah. get called up three times day of game, and in a way, that allows the Chiefs to expand its roster. There's also 
the CJ Spiller rule where, I mean, who knows if there's an agreement out there with a player that'll be on the roster, off the roster, on the roster, <laughs> so on and so forth as we go. All right, let's go position by position here and evaluate what we believe is going on at each position. First one is quarterbacks, and Andy Reid has broken the mold of keeping the two quarterbacks. He kept three forever and then uh, eventually converted to keeping two. Now you can make a case – Maybe that was just a product of the talent in the room. Maybe he's always wanted to keep three, and it just hasn't had that third quarterback worth a roster spot in a few years now. But Shane Bouchelle has finally broken through. He had 166 yards and two touchdowns in the final preseason game. This is the second preseason game in a row where – or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the second preseason in a, in a row where he was able to stand out uh, in, a, in a game. And I think it was just too much to – make him vulnerable to other teams in the league potentially looking for a young backup. And so Shane Bouchelle remains with the Chiefs behind Chad Henney uh, and Patrick Mahomes. Steve, let's go to you. Happy to see Shane Bouchelle officially on the 53 men. <laughs> I, I almost like, I, I feel like I'm doing this again. I'm having deja vu because I forgot that me and you did a Twitter spaces earlier and I was just <laughs> raving about Shane Bouchelle. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, it's fantastic for him because you know he's never going to start a game, you know, prior or uh, barring catas- catastrophe or something like that. Right, like, like right. Shane, but Shane Bouchelle has done everything that you want a second, third string quarterback to do in the NFL. Every time he gets opportunities in the preseason, he makes plays and he looks good. And you know he's looking good against bottom of roster players. But that's what you expect from a guy like him. Like It's cool to mm-hmm. see them finally reward him with the 53-man roster spot because when he's gotten the playing time, when he's gotten the attempts every single time, he has looked good and he has made plays. And so I think he's deserving of it, and he definitely played his way into it. So you know, we talk about some other players that we love, like Jody Fortz and his incredible story. What Shane Bouchel has done here is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm 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 agreeing with you, and I, I think you make some some good points. Shane Bouchelle, John, was certainly a player that had to earn his way to the roster. It wasn't a given that he was definitely going to be on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what we're seeing here today isn't so much a reaction to what might happen from other teams, what other teams might do. I think that last year, when they put him on the active roster after the Cardinals had expressed interest and they needed to protect him get him off the practice squad where he couldn't be poached. That was a reaction to what other teams might do. I think what we're seeing today is the chiefs making a decision that this is the guy they want to develop as Patrick Mahomes backup next season. And uh, they could have done that by keeping him on the practice squad, uh, but they would run the risk of losing him. So, you know, it's a little bit about that, but I think it's mostly about them saying, this is the guy we want to develop right now. As Steve said, and I mentioned this on the car ride space, which I'm, I'm unsure is legal. I don't know if I was supposed to be on Twitter spaces <laughs> while I was driving a car spring, but I was. And I, I mentioned it, and this is a sign of us all getting a little bit older. Just the idea that Andy Reid likes generally to have an older quarterback and a younger quarterback, and that doesn't necessarily mean one has to be the starter and one has to be the backup. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing now is, Patrick Mahomes is getting a little older, right? He can be the older guy that is the starter, and you can have a young gun, so to speak, that is your backup. And weird to say that Mahomes will be the veteran in the room, but I certainly anticipate that in 2023. I think this is Chad Henney's last year to be the backup. I think he's still reliable. 
But I think this is the transition year to Shane Bouchelle being the primary backup. And who knows? You've seen other situations in the league where the backup really develops and continues to look good and good and good. And suddenly they're knocking at the door and you can flip them for a pick or something like that in the future. So remains to be seen what happens with Shane Bouchelle. But congratulations to him for making this initial 53. It took a team trying to poach him last year. I had mentioned in, in the article here that Mike Kafka is the O coordinator with the New York Giants. I think there was some riskiness in just making him vulnerable to the waivers. And he is on the Chiefs roster. Let's move on to running backs. And I think this is where, and, and you guys can weigh in here, I think running back is where we had our biggest surprise because Ronald Jones, I would say, before the preseason game a week ago, it was over. It felt over. Yeah. It felt dead to rights. Uh, and then uh, in with the WWE and the Undertaker Jif fashion, he sits up and now his life, and all of a sudden Andy Reid is complimenting him and calling him a good football player now. Again, this could change as we go on here. I, I've noted, and we'll get to it in a second, that I, I do think the Chiefs want to bring in another veteran blocking style tight end in the meantime, while Blake Bell will be going to IR. But for right now, uh, Ronald Jones, John, is on this roster. Yeah, I have to say I find that surprising. But I, 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 like I said before, I think that the Chiefs might have been trying to trade him and couldn't make it happen. And they didn't want to give him up they feel like he's too valuable an asset to just cut. And I think that's probably fair. I think he showed us that in the third preseason game that he's capable of playing. You know, he did all that with, uh, you know, with the third string offensive line, you know, it's not like, it's not yeah. like uh, he didn't show us something in, in the game. He did. He did all of that without a whole lot of support around him. And uh, I think the chiefs thought, okay, if we can make a deal for him, we will. But if we if we can't, then maybe we need to do something else. And I think that may have been why one of these other surprise moves happened is because they still have Ronald Jones. It was really a surprise to me. We got head coach Andy Reid earlier today, which is actually very unique for cut down day. Typically, yeah. this won't happen mm -hmm. until a few days after, but rules have changed. And this is Andy Reid's quote on Rojo. I thought Rojo did a nice job down the stretch, and we know what he's capable of. It's a matter of being him comfortable in the offense. Uh, we throw a lot at the running backs, and it looked like he was starting to get it down the stretch there. Good football player. So there you go on Rojo. I also think they constantly say that you can never have enough running backs, and I, th I think this could be a case of that, right? Like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has missed time in, in previous seasons. Mm -hmm, sure. And then you're down to, let, let's say that were to happen again. Then you're down to Pacheco probably as your runner, Jarek McKinnon as your pass back. And then, what, you're one away from not really having that bruiser. So maybe Ronald Jones found a way to stick. And I also think there's some truth to what you're saying, John. Maybe they did call around the league and there wasn't yeah. a lot of interest. I, I had mentioned on that space earlier, and I'll, I'll reiterate here. We saw Kenyon J Drake become available, right? And right. he was eventually signed, but the Raiders couldn't find a trade partner for him. And right. I would consider those two running backs along the same lines or as far as similar value. And if, if Drake couldn't find a trade partner, I, I wonder if the chiefs were in the same boat. And what's tough about that is if, you know, if you release Jones, he's going to land somewhere. This is not like not an NFL player. We're talking about right. mm -hmm. Steve, were you yeah. surprised Jones made this roster? Yeah, I really was. And it's because like, I do think that Ronald Jones is still like an NFL caliber running back and sure. You know, he's yeah. a former high end draft pick. Like he was an early second round pick initially. And I remember in that draft class, like there was talk about him sneaking into the first round of that draft and he hasn't really lived up to that, but 
he does have the athleticism and we've seen the explosive playmaking ability that, you know, you're not always going to find in a fourth running back on your roster. So I do think that there's some value there uh, that Ronald Jones can bring to the team. But, you know, if we're talking about Ronald Jones or like a Kenyon Drake, like Kenyon Drake, I think is a more versatile player because he has the receiving upside that Ronald Jones simply doesn't. I just think that it's, it, it came down to, had some injuries with Derek Gore going down and Ronald Jones has already been here established and knows the coaching staff has been working through the offense in the preseason and, and did what they asked him to do without really any complaints or gripes. So I, I think that that does weigh heavily sometimes on these decisions. And so it, it wound up keeping him around with the Kansas City Chiefs, at least for the time being. Yeah, and I think the theme there, and we'll get to wide receivers too, is is there's a chip on all of the shoulders of all these running backs. Clyde, we have certainly felt it. We've talked about this on <laughs> the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Jarek McKinnon still trying in a way to revamp his career after those two seasons a couple seasons ago where he missed due to injury. Isaiah Pacheco is still the guy on draft day who said he's not afraid to take another grown man's job. So let's not forget that. And now Ronald Jones, everyone just rode off. So you've created yeah. a room where there's a lot of chips on shoulders. Michael Burton, <laughs> there was a funny story. We went out for media today and we're talking and I was talking with Herbie of the star and, and Nate of the athletic. We don't see Michael Burton anywhere. And we, we all turn to each other and we say, is this a moment <laughs> after years that Andy Reid has decided to move on from the fullback? Not to be Michael Burton was excused for the birth of his daughter. So congratulations to Mike. I don't think we have to say a ton here. This is something we knew. Andy Reid likes having a fullback. He'll play special teams, maybe seven to ten plays on offense, and the tradition of Andy Reid and fullbacks continues and lives forever. And it's a dying position in the league, and if you want to be a fullback, I, I would try to find my way to Kansas City. That would be my advice <laughs> to all those young fullbacks out there because I, I don't know if once Reid is done if there's going to be another coach who insists on having this position. But Mike Burton lasts right here on the 53-man roster. We'll move quickly here to wide receivers. And there was a, a, a big surprise here, and it wasn't so much with who they kept or didn't keep. It was the number. Hmm. We had assumed for a long time, and maybe it was my fault because I just thought the wide receiver depth was too much, that the Chiefs would keep six receivers. So, Steve, we'll go back to you. Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, and Justin Watson rounds out the room, and that's it. So, Yeah, uh, again, I, I thought that Darius Fountain was safer to make the roster than than apparently he was and you know maybe he winds up back here with the kansas city chiefs uh because I, I think he has done enough to to make the final roster and proven himself on special teams and offensively but it was impossible to ignore what justin watson has done this preseason like every single game he was making plays and you know and then doing doing it with patrick mahomes in the game too like that's going to guarantee you a roster spot. And so I think after preseason game number one, we knew Justin Watson was a lock for this roster. And, and it was easy that, you know, he's going to have a role in this offense because he's shown the ability to do that. And, you know, I, obviously Sky Moore was going to make the roster and then the veteran presence in that group. I think he should carry more than five wide receivers. Personally, it feels a little thin, but they do have depth still, and they've got a lot of guys that you feel confident one through five that those guys could make plays during a regular season NFL game. And you got to see who lands on the practice squad, too, here. I think in keeping five, 
there is a little bit of an assumption that Corey Coleman and Cornell Powell will make it through this period of uncertainty and be able to be put on the practice squad. Justin Watson has been a player that has been interesting since OTAs when Patrick Mahomes said he called Brett Veach about him. Like, remember, that was the story. Patrick yeah. Mahomes worked with him in Texas and after the workout called Brett Veach to find out exactly how fast he is because he was outrunning Mahomes' bombs. So I think it was a dark horse. And we've known, I think, locally for a while that he would make it. But I think this may be some national surprise to an extent. John, what did you think of these receivers? Well, you know, I almost mentioned this when we were talking about the running backs. I think we see the same thing here. From the outside, we look at this and say, well, you know, they're going to need to have X number of players uh, in the room in order to to go forward. And that's a valid argument. But I wonder sometimes if the Chiefs, if the coaches look at this in an entirely different way. I mean, if you look at that running back room with the yeah. four running backs, what if we had a better group of four running backs with the Chiefs? Right. I can't think of one, you know. And I think you can make the same point about the wide receivers. When have we had five wide receivers as good as this group? During the Andy Reid era, and I saw we the, haven't. I saw you know? Mark Gunnels, who who does a good job for us on Wednesday nights now with Coast to Coast and Aaron Ladd. But I saw him quote tweeting somebody and comparing this year's receivers to last year's, where it's Juju, Marquez, McCole, mm-hmm. and Sky, and now Justin Watson. Whereas last year it was Tyree Kill, McCole, Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle. Like this is a better unit. I don't know yeah. how arguable mm-hmm. that is. Now you are taking away an elite wide receiver, and I'm not sure the Chiefs have one in the room. But I think from top to bottom, you like this receiver room a lot more than you did last year's. Yeah, right. And I think, and I think it's possible they might look at it that way and say, "Yeah, we can right. get by with five right wide receivers if we have these five. So that's another way to look at it. I think there's not a lot of points to be made about the tight end room. Again, we know that Blake Bell only made the initial roster so he can be placed on IR, and that means he'll miss at least four games. I tend to think after hip surgery, it'll be more than that. The good news is the Chiefs believe at some point during the year, Blake Bell is going to be able to return, which is why he made the 53. So it'll be Travis Kelsey, Jody Fortson, and Noah Gray. Gray, I've talked to Andy Reid. I've asked him this question about the upside of his blocking ability, and they're confident in him, but I still think they're going to bring in somebody here. We will see what happens in the tight end room, but pretty self-explanatory. Travis Kelsey, we have seen Jody Fortson in the preseason, and then Noah Gray rounding out that room. I think we can move on there. Let's go to offensive linemen, and we'll go back to you, Steve. Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Andrew Wiley. Those are your starters from left to right. Jaron Christian and Prince Stegwinogo are your Swing tackles, so to speak. Nick Allegretti, he has shown that he can play all three positions inside. We were unsure if Darian Kennard would make it. On draft night, he was supposed to be this guy to challenge Andrew Wiley and has really, I think as an understatement, been disappointing in what we've seen so far about day one starter potential. But he makes this room, and probably because the Chiefs, much like some of their other positions here, didn't want to make him vulnerable to other teams. Any surprises to you, Steve, in the offensive line room? No, I don't think there's any major surprises. And I never totally believed that Darian Kennard wasn't going to make this team. I know he's probably been a disappointment so far through training camp and through the preseason. But our expectations are probably too high for Darian Kennard right. to start mm-hmm. with because yeah. we think of Trey Smith and we're like, oh, the Chiefs just figure out how to do this. And that's not really fair. I think that Darian Kennard could still wind up developing and and being better and maybe may having a role on, on this team. And he's a young player. And 
ain't the Chiefs, you know, them keeping nine of ten draft picks. Like you, you never want to have to cut your draft picks, but right. it's pretty common in the NFL. Like six, seventh round guys are not guaranteed to make the roster. And so them keeping nine out of ten picks, I think, is something that you're pretty happy with. Mm-hmm. And I just think that Kennard, while he's probably been a letdown so far, there's still probably some potential there. And We've seen the offensive line issues in the past, so just keep as many bodies along the offensive line as you can. Two follow-up points there. I think Darren Kennard, we can say probably safely, is entering a redshirt year. And we saw something mm-hmm. similar with yeah. Laurent Duvenet-Tardif where he just was inactive yeah. every week. I think that's the potential for him. It is worth noting, whenever we get Andy Heck for that last time of the season, we got to ask him for an update here because we really won't see what's happening with Kennard until maybe next year if that is the case. And is he going to move inside to guard? Is he sticking at tackle? What is his progress? So, John, help me with this. Help me remember toward the end of the season, we should ask <laughs> about where Darren Kennard is. Make a note here. Okay. Yeah. Jaron Christian and Prince Tegawanogo uh, are, are your swing tackles, so to speak. I think quietly, this is a big deal for Nick Allegretti over Austin Ryder, who's expected to be back with the practice squad because Nick Allegretti showed enough at center for them to move on from what would be Austin Ryder and let him go to the practice squad. So in a pinch, Nick Allegretti should be your set, your backup center if something were to happen to Creed Humphrey. And I think Prince Teguanogo, he started camp on PUP. It was not a given that he was going to make it, but he showed enough to be one of your backup tackles. And so pretty well-rounded room and you have a reinforcement we believe in austin Ryder joining the practice squad if you need him if something were to, were to happen to creed then then it would be allegretti and Ryder. you're feeling pretty good about that and so pretty deep offensive line room and i, I still think and go back to john the the chiefs in the super bowl against the buccaneers and just how bad it was and man life is a lot better for the chiefs in that regard right now yeah, I, you know, I, I think, think people expect us to have a lot better offensive linemen in the backup positions than we do. I think we had really good depth behind some kind of largely average players in that Super Bowl run. And when the largely average players were were gone, um, Mitchell Schwartz being an exception to there, you know, Eric Fisher was somewhat above that. But LDT was a guy that was solid, but not spectacular. You know, um, Ryder was the center at that point. Um, And so there was a pretty substantial drop off there when all of them were gone. Uh, And I think this is an entirely different situation where you've got a really top flight offensive line and uh, some solid backups there. You know, mm-hmm. and and I and I think as long as we don't have to put three of them out there or four of them or God forbid five of them out there, <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna think this is a good a good room with plenty of depth. I think so too, and I, I think if something were to happen to uh, Andrew Wiley, and you have to turn to what is a Prince Tequanogo or Jaron Christian, I think you're in good hands at least for a few games there. And I do wonder about the upside of Christian, like if Wiley were to struggle, you know, if, if you're looking mm-hmm. at the starting line, that's probably the weak point to be fair. If he were to struggle, I wouldn't be stunned if Christian or Winogo would eventually get an opportunity there. And, and we're talking maybe week four, week five. I think Wiley has done enough to earn at least a few weeks here to, to show that he can do this in a regular season setting. All right, let's flip the page to defense. And I'm going to say the defensive line room all in one shot because I, I think they fit together. Chris Jones, Derek Noddy, Turk Wharton, and Colin Saunders are your defensive tackles. Again, they said goodbye to Danny Shelton and Taylor Stallworth. Your defensive ends, 
They choose to keep six in a room of 10 defensive linemen. Frank Clark, George Karloftis, Carlos Dunlap, Mike Dana, Malik Herring, and Josh Kando. For the longest time, I thought they would keep Herring or Kando. I was very wrong about that. They said to the two defensive tackles, so it's four and six. And the point I wanted to make in this article, John, was the fact that Joe Cullen, a new defensive line coach, has been moving the defensive ends inside, outside. They've been playing a lot of different positions. Yeah. And so the reason I grouped all these guys together is because I think in making sense of this defensive line room, they kept the best athletes because I think they're going to be showing a lot of, of different looks. And I think Herring and Kane Doe, as you're trying to figure this thing out, were just better athletes than a Danny Shelton or what would be a Taylor Stallworth. And that's how they rounded out the room. Well, as NASCAR returns to Kansas Speedway this fall, so does NASCAR return to the Chiefs' defensive line. I think this is what we're looking at, is the NASCAR package being used on a more regular basis. We've known for a long time this is something that Spagnuolo likes to do, and it's something that Cullen likes to do. So guess what? All of a sudden, we've got six defensive ends on in a in a ten man room, and and uh, so we really shouldn't be surprised. That's what they did. I I think this is an excellent example of something that maybe we should have foreseen coming, that they would go ahead and keep both Herring and Kando. I I think they like Kando's potential a lot. They just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think you've seen flashes from Herring and Kando, but you know that's why they're at the end of the roster, at the end of this room. And I I feel pretty good, I think, about the defensive line as a whole now that we've seen, and and Steve, you mentioned this, and I'm, I'm sure you want to build on this point a little bit, but George Karloftis looks like day one legit. I know it's just the preseason, but I think that makes a big difference as you look at this defensive line room as a whole. Well, and I'm still worried about this Carlos Dunlap Achilles thing. Um, (laughs) A veteran player, all of a sudden they're just like... You're worried about a 33-year-old who has a sore Achilles? That's so crazy to me. Just all of a sudden, uh, Andy Reid's just like, he's dealing with a little bit of an Achilles thing. Um, He's just not going to practice for a while. Like, that's worrisome. Um, I I think Kevin Durant tore his Achilles in an NBA Finals with uh, something similar (laughs) like that. So... Yeah, I think it's just the depth and having as many bodies at that position is always a smart thing to do. And, you know, we talk about Frank Clark and and his struggles to stay healthy over the last couple of years. We'll see if he can change that this season with all the changes that he's made. But if you're talking about you're a little worried about Frank Clark being injured at some point throughout the season. And now the question marks around Carlos Dunlap, just keep as many bodies as you can at that position that's a great point and if you're going by the last two days we were out there at practice and we won't have another look now until next wednesday so this is the last we'll know but frank clark missed the last two days of practice because he was sick he has gone through stomach issues before and that was the listed reason as to why we didn't see clark out there so as you're going through this and steve you mentioned the sore achilles your starters uh, along the defensive line at defensive end would be george karloftis a rookie and then mike dana and then you're right if you didn't keep herring and Kendo, there would be only one behind behind them. Uh, so now you keep both. So if there were a scenario where Clark and Dunlap were down, at least you're right. You have bodies there. And perhaps even in, in that case, and, and I'm going to be careful here, but maybe you would see Chris Jones popping out a little bit there as you go because Derek Nottie and Turk Wharton have looked really good uh, this, this training camp. And then kudos to Colin Saunders. And I think that's the last point I'll make about the defensive line room. I do not think this was a player that was guaranteed a spot coming in, even though he was mm-hmm. a former draft yeah. pick and, and he showed enough and came back in shape and, and earned it. And he rounds out that defensive tackle room moving to linebackers. So 
once again, I know I said it three times, but I'll say it again. Uh, this will include Elijah Lee. He's not on the initial roster. That's going to be the move for Blake Bell. That was first reported by the Kansas City Star. But it's Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Darius Harris, Leo Chanel, and then what will be Elijah Lee. The one surprise, John, here is that Jermaine Carter, who was guaranteed money, mm-hmm. did not make the club. Yeah, you know, but it's $1.77 million is a lot of money to you and me. I'll just put that right out there because I'm sure it's a lot of money to anybody listening to our podcast today. But it's not much money on the NFL salary cap. And uh, when the Chiefs signed Carter, uh, what was it, March 28th, late March? This is before the draft. That's a month before the draft. Mm -hmm. You don't know what players you're going to get in the draft. You don't know what they're going to look like when you get them. Uh, You don't know if you're going to get a player like Leo Chanel. Um, So he was just what they needed, some insurance. Um, And they, they have done this every year going into the draft, trying to figure out a way to get a a 53 man team ready to go before they go into the draft room. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that all they have, the only direction they can go is up, you know, if they get guys with big upside. And I think that they were super happy with what they got in the draft. And I think they're super happy with what Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. have been able to do. Um, and I, I, I just think that's an indication of that. It's like, yeah, $1.8 million. Yeah. Who cares? It's not very much money. <laughs> Steve. I'm as excited for this group of linebackers this season as I am for any other position on the chiefs roster. Mm-hmm. And it's probably yeah. them and the wide receivers, just because I want to see how this all translates with Patrick Mahomes in the offense, which I still think is going to be very good, but I've been hyping up the linebackers all preseason because I think Willie Gay looks finally looks comfortable in the Chiefs defense. Finally looks like he knows exactly where he is supposed to be when he is out there on the field. And we've just seen glimpses of it here in the preseason where he's the first sideline to sideline linebacker they have had in a really long time. And he is clearly the most athletic linebacker that they have. And then Nick Bolton probably taking another big step. You you expect him to really be good and and be a really, really important part of your defense this season. And then, yeah, I think that they really like Leo Chanel too. And I, I want to see him get involved more with those three linebacker sets because I'm excited for these guys. I think they're going to be playmakers, and I think they're going to be really important to the defense. I think you're right, Steve. And I, I think as we're looking at this room, it, it's just important to remember that linebackers, again, in today's NFL, the starters are two of the linebackers. And as far as you know, the nickel package, you don't get any better than Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. maybe in the league. And you look at the rest of the room and it's pretty good. You know, you have Elijah Lee, who will be your starting Sam in the base. I think Leo Chanel will work, work his way to that. Darius Harris becomes your backup, Mike. And it's a pretty good room, especially when you consider, again, Nowadays, you start two linebackers, typically speaking, at a time because yeah. you're in the nickel more. And that's an elite tandem. Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. has elite potential and pretty good depth behind them. All right, let's go to the secondary. You keep six cornerbacks and you keep four safeties. So it's Legarius Sneed, Rashad Fenton, Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, Chris Lamans. And then your safeties are Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed, Brian Cook and Dion Bush. I guess if there's any kind of slight surprise here, it's that Nazi Johnson, one of your draft picks, was cut. 
I know the Chiefs will try to retain him on the practice squad because they do feel good about him. It's just someone that you need to develop while you keep Lamans and Bush, who are key special team teams guys, John. Well, I think that's one of the reasons they can get by with five wide receivers too, is that they can, two of their special teams guys uh, are coming out of the cornerbacks and another one uh, coming out of the safeties. And I I think that, I'm sorry, that would be two in the, from the cornerback and the safety. Sorry. But that's the point though, that that gives them the flexibility to go with five wide receivers, particularly because they're good ones. Another Mm -hmm. thing that maybe we should have anticipated ahead of time, you know, if we'd, if we'd known what they were thinking, we could have figured all this out. But um, uh, you know, in retrospect, it, it all makes sense. And I think that the chiefs probably will not play uh, Williams and Watson as much as some of these other players. Uh, I think they both need some seasoning, but I think the chiefs really like what they see and the potential of those two players. And so I, I think they want to hang on to them and give them some, some spot time in the defense and uh, let them develop into top quality players. I think those that's their ceiling for sure. Steve, this cornerback room is especially young, and that'll be different mm-hmm. for Steve Spagnolo with with Snead, Fenton, McDuffie, Williams, Watson, and and then Lamont's rounding it out. Oh, and when we talk about like how how young they are, I do think that Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson, like what we've seen from them so far, they've both been impressive and had their moments. I know in the final preseason game, it was kind of a disaster for Joshua Williams. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but that's when you're a player that's that young. And, and I right. think that you have to keep in mind the step up in competition that he has coming from an HBCU smaller school compared to like some of these division one programs too. And he missed a lot of time because of COVID and he's going to take a little while to develop, but they have a pretty similar track record in developing a cornerback Charvarius Ward who wound right, up being right. a really good corner for them. And they did it with Legarius Sneed, who is one of the most important members of that secondary now. So they've got a good track record over the last several years of developing these guys. And the fact that they like Jalen Watson so much, on top of the fact that we've seen the athleticism of Joshua Williams, they're both high upside players who just Mm -hmm. need time to develop and figure out the NFL speed. So I still think there's reason to be excited for them. I'm hoping that they're not significant players on in defense like the first seven weeks of the season. I'd rather see them later on in the year after they've had some more time to develop. And I, I think they can be good. Yeah. I think that those are all good points. And, and this is, again, the frustrating thing is someone who tries to project this thing is you see the final roster and it makes plenty of sense. And you're like, why could I have not seen some of the writing on the wall, but we have it up arrowheadpride.com. We have analysis up. And as I mentioned at the top of this thing, it's going to change. This is just the initial 53-man roster, and by the time we get to week one, this thing will look a little bit differently, so keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com. Keep it locked in on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network as we discuss some of the changes that happened prior to week one, and then coming up here, we're going to get through this week, and coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday, this will be your regular season podcast schedule it's here the 2022 season is here the roster is here it's an exciting time for all of us at arrowheadpride.com so for steve serta and john dixon thank you for joining us for another emergency podcast right here on the arrowhead pride podcast network